welcome to the 78th episode of the Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half, we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Tango Fiesta by Spilt Milk Studios. Andy, who are you, and what do you do? Uh, hello, I'm good. Uh, <clears throat> I'm Andrew John Smith. I'm the sort of founder of Spilt Milk Studios. Um, I'm a designer by trade, a game designer. So uh, I tweak values and annoy programmers. That's basically <laughs> what I do. <laughs> and um, you've had a storied history in the land of uh, fascinating video games, as opposed to tabletop. We have to be clear, because there's yes. many games now these days. This is great, thumbs up but people get confused sometimes. We can't just say games anymore. So it's, it's the flashy light kind. <laughs> so when did you make your start? Was it when you were in Bionic? When, you know, when did, you, did you make your first game when you were three or something? Oh, no, not quite that young. But I did start, <laughs> I did start making levels for Half-Life. I think that was probably the first sort of games development that I did. So we're talking Half-Life 1 here, just to be clear, the original right. release. Um, and it was around the time I should have been revising for, I believe, I want to say my GCSEs or, or maybe my mock A levels. Right. And um, yeah, it was it was it was great. You know, this was like a, a, the mod scene had kind of bloomed after uh, uh, sort of building up through through Quake and things like that, and it just sort of hit a, a new high with Half Life. And uh, yeah, downloaded the tools for free. You know, Valve still very much like that these days, aren't they? They're very yeah. Uh, Magnanimous, and um, yeah, I used to used to make levels. Uh, me and a couple of friends actually used to make levels for each other um, and, and play them. And um, yeah, it sort of went on from there. I learned to do a little bit of three D modelling. Joined a few different mod teams for mods that never came out. Um, did did some uh, yeah. So my three D modelling was mostly sort of weapons and things that anything non organic. I could never get the hang of hands. <laughs> uh, and um, which apparently is is quite a common thing. Uh, you can either do organic or you can't. Uh, but there you go. And uh, and from there, that sort of um, informed my. I, I'd already wanted to do get you know something in video games as a career by that point. But this was the first time I was like, oh hang on, this is a thing where you know this whole community is built around it, and and uh, those sorts of things all helped um, my portfolio when I was applying to university, uh, and then later on when I went for jobs. Okay. Did you do a degree in computer science, or was it actual? I mean, what, what did you study? What did you read? And where did you read it? Where did I read? Well, it was it was Abate Dundee. Oh, lovely! Um, quite quite well known these days. Um, back then, it was I believe one of only three in UK and maybe even Europe um, to offer anything video game related as a as a genuine course. Right. Uh, and um, I think it was Teesside and Bournemouth were the other two. Um, I visited all three and Abate was the one with any industry contacts at that point um, you know be, being based in Dundee there's a long history there with DMA and at the time it was uh, Visual Science and uh, Viz um, who did State of Emergency Visual Science did a lot of stuff with EA um, and yeah I, I read a, a course called uh, BA Honours Computer Arts ah, uh, which, okay. which was yeah I didn't go for the hard sort of science programming side I was very much more interested in sort of world building and mechanics and, and, and gameplay and things. But it was it was very wide ranging. Um 
as I say, back then there weren't many options, but it, it was only the second year it had been running as a course. Um, and as you can imagine, that, that meant it was uh, a little bit experimental in some of the stuff that it, uh, that it covered, you know, they're sort of finding their feet. And, um, so, I mean, we did, so for, in the first year, I remember we did, uh, we designed a board game, funnily enough. <laughs> uh, that was good fun, based on uh, the first Harry Potter novel. That'll date it for you. Oh, Christ, yeah. Yeah, um, and um, that was quite good fun. Made, 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 made a game called Harry Quest. It was sort of loosely based on Hero Quest. Right. Um, that, 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 yeah, that still stands <laughs> up, Hero Quest. Yep. Yeah. It's uh-huh. advanced a bit now, as you and I know. <laughs> in a great way, but, you know, I mean... <laughs> Descent, I don't like the combat game, the combat system in Descent. I'm not sure if you played Descent at all. I, I've not, no. No, it's alright. I prefer the uh, Wizards of the Coast games. Have you played those? They're like D&D in a box rather than... Yes. Yeah, so it's... Yes, it's contained D&D. Yeah, self-contained yeah. D&D. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, it's... Whatever, where it's gone is, is a good place. But yeah, Hero Quest has its place in its firmament. It does. It's it's simple and it's easy to get into, but it's quite it's still quite brutal. You know, you still have to pay. Oh yeah, it's yes. Um, where, where it probably didn't actually work, but hey. Yes, that's <laughs> very true. So I'd like to think we improved it. Uh, I'm sure you did. Sure you did. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so I mean, it ranged from things like that. So that was our game design module in year one, and we had um, we had modules on audio, um, both theory and in practice. We we sort of had it was a lot of theory and practice so across um so audio game design art um lighting things like that animation um and it was really useful because i always wanted to be a designer you know that was my thing so i i needed to be able to sort of dabble in all those different um areas i suppose to sort of broaden your palette of things that you could do and draw from and yes yeah exactly to like oh i can see that and yeah, I mean, it's from an eggshell or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I, I'd, I'd never, as a designer, you know, you're always working with other people of other disciplines, and you need to at least sort of understand what they're saying or where, where they're coming from. Yeah. Um, Why they keep on saying say no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can still say no. You just need to say no because. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it, it really helped. But I think. Uh, something I always say is that I mean the, the course has changed immensely now, and there's lots of actual games design and production courses up there now. I I went back and visited a few times and did some some sort of uh, talks and things like that, and it's it's grown immensely. But back then it was a bit of a shame. Some of the some of the people on on the course were very much wanting to be just an animator, and and it just wasn't the kind of course to support that. You know, oh, uh, it was a bit too wide ranging for them. But for me, it was absolutely spot on. Yeah, uh, it's, that's, I can see why. If- as a designer of capital D and mm. an umbrella that that takes, you you it's not so much a, it, it, that course sounds like spot on for that kind of role. But if you want to animate cats, no, yeah, it's, <laughs> gonna go. Yeah, and there's another course for that. I suspect. Yeah, if you want a job at Pixar, there's other courses. For there's that. other courses for that. And, uh, of course, at the same time, they had their still. I think it's still going there computer games tech course which was all the programming and scripting and that was very much um, sort of computer science through a games lens I think um, which is why it's been so successful for them cool cool Mm. Um, so any do you want to progress further beyond that because you said you start you went to university you obviously worked in industry for a while haven't you I have yeah Um, over a decade I always get nervous because 
you know when units of time have got like a word for them because it's, yeah. it's, it's easier than saying oh 11 years ago more than a decade it just scares me how quickly that's gone yeah it's like I tell people you do realise the Xbox 360 has been out for over uh, 10 years this year yeah and like, people go no no it hasn't like no really it has, it really has. <laughs> well that I mean that's funny because yeah I remember my first proper job well so I did some QA here and there um, you know games testing and things and very lucky being in Dundee in Scotland in general there's a good community of developers there of various sizes and I eventually got a junior level design job and while we were there we got the 360 dev kits and we were you know was it Project Gotham Racing yes was that the 361 yeah that is a 360 game yes it was exclusive and just I remember all the artists and the level designers gathering around because we were working on a racing game at the time for the previous generation and then it was uh, decided that it would straddle across up to the 360 and uh, PS3 as well and uh, sadly it never came out that is the way of the games industry I've worked on a bunch of games I've worked on a bunch that have come out but I've also worked on a bunch that haven't yeah that's always tough for your portfolio isn't it I worked on this yeah never saw the light of day right (laughs) I I spent three weeks on this doorway that's great yeah Yeah. never saw the light of day (laughs) that's great isn't it so I mean you feel for people who sometimes work for Blizzard you know seven or eight years on a project and go you know what stop working is it what no (laughs) it's just it's not going to happen is it fine one of the reasons I set up on my own was to get over that sort of large project thing I just I've I've not got a problem with working on games that live a long time and therefore you're working on for a long time, you know, once they're out, but but working for sort of several years without any public playing it or input like that, it's just that's bonkers to me. Yeah, and it's a, you know, a risk that they go, you know what, this isn't going anywhere, is it? Please don't do this. No, I think we're going to shut it down. Yeah. Um, and I feel for developers who make who pour millions, sometimes close to a billion, but no, millions into an MMO. Oh yeah. Not really understanding how what it takes to make a good one, and then that's your understanding. You mean you've got to make content? Yes, all the time. All like, the time. All the time. <laughs> Can we just make a hat? You could do hats. Great. People like hats, but they want more hats. Not enough. <laughs> they want a mountain of hats. <laughs> On a mountain of hats. Many as many hats as you can make. Now. <laughs> Did I mention they're impatient, by the way? They won't get through that. Oh, they will. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite galling when you see MMOs and then they come out and like, what are you doing? It's like when the Elder Scrolls came out, like, what are you doing? No one wants this. Mm-hmm. No, that, that was the reaction. It still is, unfortunately. Like, no one really wants this. Very peculiar one, wasn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. So you, d- you did work in major studios and working in various games. Some got out, some didn't. Yep. Um, but eventually, what, what was your first your self-created game then? I can't remember now, forgive me. So, the first one was called Crunch. Right. Which was, um, yeah, that was a, it was, it was a sort of a, a number-based puzzle, a maths puzzler for, um, for a company called Crunch, funnily enough. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, it was good fun, that was on the iPhone, and, uh, and I think, it, no, it was just the iPhone, not, not Android as well. Um, and then uh, me and a friend of mine made hard lines together, and then it was a while after that 
till, till the next thing. I was working on a few things, so even even as a small studio, you can't get away from, uh, you know, projects not, not quite getting out. Yeah, um, yeah. We worked on something called Smash the Block, which was kind of a modernisation of, uh, of uh, not Pong, but um, uh, uh, what's it called? Arkanoid, things like that. And, Breakout. Uh, Breakout, yeah, there you go. That's perfect, that's exactly it. Um, and worked on a game called uh, Lazarus for a little bit, which was a, which was a sort of a, trying to do two stick shooters on, on mobile, or on touch screen, I should say. Right. And um, just as we got to the point where we were going to ship that, yeah. um, we signed a deal with, uh, with a publisher to make Tango Fiesta. So that, that came out of a game jam. Yes, I witnessed that. I was yes, there. Indeed. You probably you don't were. remember. No, you do remember because you didn't you know. Yeah. You, yeah, I remember sitting there. What giving you did this? Um, it was, so let's just go back a bit because I want to talk about it because the game mm. jam itself it was eighties theme, right? You had to do an eighties theme. It was, yeah. It was at the, the Res show. I can't remember. Res. Was it two thousand thirteen? Thirteen. It's confusing because they then they had one late two thousand thirteen, then one early two thousand fourteen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but uh, but yeah, it was up in up in Birmingham at the NEC, and Eurogamer were running it, and yeah, Creative Assembly I think was the sponsor, and they uh, yeah fall out on the website, and um, me and a few guys thought, well, do you know what? We've done some work before. It was it was most of it. Three of the four of us were working on um, on Lazarus. Funny enough. Right, and the artist I'd got in touch with to work on Smash the Block in a sort of a previous incarnation. So there was the links there, and we thought, well, let's give it a go. And then we didn't know what it was going to be. It was just a jam for a day, and then yeah. out on the morning, eighties, and we couldn't believe our luck because uh, <laughs> we'd um, pre- we'd done a few previous jams, and um, I mean, we're all sort of of the right age to just you know fondly remember the eighties eighties uh, movies, but. Um, but yeah, we'd, we'd been reveling in 80s action movie soundtracks at, at various game jams before, so we'd already got like the ideal playlist ready. Um, it was really kind of serendipitous. Yes, and um, so this extraordinary event, I remember everyone's presenting them, and you're, you did this great impression of Arnie, didn't you? It's quite. <laughs> I'm not asking you to do it now. You could do it now if you like, but Jesus... <laughs> people tell me. People tell me I can. Uh, <laughs> might, you might get one randomly in there. In the, in the, in this interview, but yeah, it's just. Oh my god! Surely you should win on the basis of that. But um, unfortunately, <laughs> it didn't. It didn't win. Uh, Tango Tester. We we'll talk about yeah. the nature of the game later on in the show. Yes. It is bonkers, absolutely bonkers, isn't it? It reminds me of things, but we'll talk about it later. But um, it's it was a spy game, isn't it? The one where you had to detect who was a spy and stuff. Yeah, it was bloody good. It was very clever. Very, yeah. <laughs> very clever. Although, again, I haven't seen it since. Which is sad. Which is sad. Well, you know, that's the, yeah. <laughs> I, there was a bit of debate whether it was 80s or 70s, really. It was on a disco floor, you see. So Yeah, could early 80s. A bit, bit, bit of a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a scandal going on. Even the... after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just bitter because I didn't get a laptop, you know. That was it. Oh, yeah. Let it go, Andrew. Let it go. It's all right. <laughs> Um, but uh, no, it, it did make an impression on me. I just loved the the whole theme, and why. I mean, when I saw it um, first publicly unveiled, I thought, "Hang on, that was a game jam game. I can't believe it actually exists as a real thing." Because <laughs> I, I I walked around in this weird uh, oblivious notion that you walk around in um, game jams then actually produced anything. They're just an exercise of um, creativity. Yeah. This this is a lie, isn't it? Um, 
90% of the time, you, I'm right. In a month, something tangible doesn't really come out. But there's that 10%, right? Yeah. There's, Where, there's, yeah. there's always an, uh, an exception to the rule. Yeah, and uh, that's how it happened in Tango Fiesta. So, my next question to you about you is, um, this is a really big question, and one that's hard to answer. Um, uh, and uh, I, I, I want to reword it, but I can't. I just, anyway, can, what are your... <laughs> What do you, as a creator, what are your, are your influences? What do you think you believe that that uh, lights the flame in your head? Right, oh, that is a good one. Okay. It's, it's not as if, oh, where do you get your ideas from? No, it's not that. It's really how you flow from one thing to another. Is it a phrase or a book or a author or some music? What what is the thing you believe? You keep on orbiting, orbiting, and, and identify with. It's like, yeah, that's that's what I draw from, whether I like it or not. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's it can be a mix of things, um, and it tends to change over time. So when I when I was first getting into games, and, and, and you know, as a, as a career and as a creative endeavour, if you like. Um, uh, working for other people, I think it was it was very much just um, other other video games. You know? Yes, it was, it was just a love of the fact that I was being paid to make them, and and um, you know, there's a there's a we're a young industry comparatively, you know, uh, but um, but there's a wealth of wonderful things out there to, to take inspiration from. And then as I've grown, I think I've kind of expanded that a little bit, um, hopefully quite a lot to be honest. Um, and I mean, I'll come up. I'll come up with ideas at any time of the day or night, which is incredibly annoying, um, especially when it's at night uh, and you have to put the lamp on and write, scribble them down hurriedly, otherwise you forget them. I find um, that uh, the shower's quite good. Um, yes, yeah, shower's good. We, uh, we, um, we had the people behind Mushroom 11 on uh, last episode and uh, they advocate that you should be on the shower for half an hour rather than the five minutes that we generally are, just to get the most out of that inspiration. I am, I am all about luxuriating in a hot shower, but I, <laughs> even for me, it seems like a long, long time. It's a bit of a long time, but no, it's quite funny. But sorry, I inter- interject. No, no, not at all, not at all. But I mean, you know, I, I actually went through a period where, um, I think in, in Dundee in particular, and in it's quite a small city, um, and a lot of the population of our like of the age that I am or was when I was there was in games, and so I kind of get got oversaturated a bit uh, in in games and games culture, and I sort of ran away from it for a little bit, like sort of actively kind of tried to distance myself, and I was reading a lot more and, and listening to a lot of music and things like that, and I, I think often one of the things I most enjoy is when I have like a feeling of a, it's not, not, not an emotion, but like a, a feeling of, of place or um, time or, or atmosphere. And I try and think of a way that you would kind of communicate that through a, through a video game. Cause you know, being an interactive medium, obviously uh, that's one of the strengths, you know? Um, and I've got a, a, a few sort of ideas that are always just sat there on the back burner that, Especially now VR's come along uh, in a meaningful way. I'm, I'm quite interested to to uh, to explore. Um, yeah, the thing about VR, I don't know if you noticed. I know you're not stalking me on these various shows because one of the things about me, you're you're sitting at the booth for most of the time. I see yeah. everything. Yeah, you know? <laughs> you know, I see all of the things. You know, um, and I don't do VR at shows. No, there's a reason for this. Um, pink eye. I don't want to be have my eye infected 
No, that would be horrendous. It's pretty nasty, and I saw it at PAX a couple of years ago. Like, oh, God, no. what's the all these? Oh, and then it turns out it was the VR units that people were queuing up to get infected on. And I said, and I said this to other developers, no one has taken offence to it. They go, that's a good point. <laughs> Do you clean them? I go, I know. Pipes, you know, come on. <laughs> I know. It's not rational. Come on, Andrew, it's not rational. <laughs> what do I do? It's a VR unit. Great. Have fun with that. Do you want to try? Yeah. How about no? <laughs> I'll do it at home, thanks. I'll do it at home, thanks. I infect yeah. myself. Yeah. All right. My own germs. But I'm excited for VR myself. I will be getting one. I'm not sure which one to get. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? It's got another blooming platform war happening. Yeah, we've got Sony's doing its thing, we've got HTC it's doing its thing, we've got Samsung yeah. doing its thing, yeah. and uh, we've got, of course, the you know Oculus Rift that started all off, but uh, you know, they're still not here, in my view. They're not here for the, the regular Joe. Um, no. I know for yourself it probably does. Have you got one now? I don't know. No, not yet, not yet. So there's a, there's a third iteration now, isn't it? I don't know. I've lost track. I think track. it is, yeah. I think it is for, for, so. for um, Oculus, certainly. Okay. So uh, I think you've, you've answered that, unless you want to expand further on your on inspiration stuff, but it sounds to me like you've you've gone from the narrow, like, oh, yes, other games. This is great, but now actually drinking in other mediums. Yes, yeah, okay. absolutely. And, and it, like, yeah, just to, just to sort of take it away slightly from, I went a bit arty there, you know, emotions and atmosphere, but, yeah. but it can be, it can be something as specific as, oh, do you know what? The, uh, you know, you go to a, an exhibition and you see something, some amazing historical artifact and it just gets your brain bubbling, you know, you just think, yeah. oh my word, what, what would it have been like to sort of, you know, be there or, or experience that being made or, or how it was used or, or, you know, I, I, I get a lot from, it sounds a bit strange, but I get a lot from just being in old buildings or or being able to sort of, like, I, I don't know if you've ever been to Tunisia or anywhere like that, and there are a lot of the old sort of Roman ruins and Greek ruins and things like that, and I just, to, to touch something that is was made thousands of years ago by another person and just to try and think, like, what was going through their head, what was their life like, what... How did it feel to use the tools they used? All of this sort of, like making something that's um, essentially not real some, into something that's like a tactile thing. That's what we do as, as, as with video games, you know. Yeah. Um, and as a designer, I'm sort of obsessed with the feedback loop, you know, uh, making things feel good or maybe bad if that's what you actually want them to feel, you know, uncomfortable, scary, um, exciting, happy. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's, I don't know, that, hopefully that's sort of addressed... Yeah, yeah, no. no it, it, like I said, it's a very difficult question to ask, mm. and it does sound like, oh, you, you, no, it's not what I'm asking. It's just I want to know what makes you, what drives you, you know, what, what yeah. makes you keep making stuff. Because, um, you know, it, it's sad to, to know that as one grows older, it becomes more and more difficult, apparently, to create things. Um, it's a worrying trend. Look at George Lucas. Also... <laughs> Maybe he should have stopped way earlier than he did. Um, his excuse to stop being making stuff is because he's got he's a parent now. Really, George? Was it really that? Was it really? <laughs> come on, come on. People you don't admire. Um, speaking of people you don't admire, who do you admire in the video game industry and why? Oh crikey, so many people. Um, or developer, I, or you know, company. Yeah, yeah. You know, your peers. I know you're going to annoy someone when you miss them out, but 
No, who do people you usually get sort of... I'll try, I'll try and limit it to people I've not met or, or don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, that way at least I blanket annoy everyone I know. Um, so, so, Tetsuo Mitsuguchi, who was formerly of Sega, um, he worked as a designer on Sega Rally and Rez, probably more famously, is an absolute idol of mine, uh, both those games in particular. Yes, just, I've met him. Huh? He did... Um Children of Eden, isn't it? Or Child of Eden? The the, um, the game that was on the 360 with the, you know... The Child of Eden, yeah, that Child was it. He did it yeah. after. Yeah. Um, about a year and a half ago, I think it was. That was a really yeah. good game. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I just haven't played it yet. I'm, I'm gutted that I haven't got around to playing it. Yeah, uh, one of those ones, you know. But it was the, they used the um, the Kinect controller thing, whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah, that was it. Um, Miyamoto, I have to, I have to say, um, and and many many other less well known uh, Nintendo staffers who even I'm not sure of names, but but you know he, he's he's great, obviously, but obviously. there are a lot of staff, yeah, obviously. Um, I, I, just, I think you can say Nintendo. That's probably just better. Nintendo in general, probably. That's yeah, probably yeah. more genuine to do that. Yeah. You can't <laughs> recognise people specifically, but let's just say, okay, what about just you as a yeah. development staff? The Nintendo development team, you're awesome. Keep doing are, what you're doing. They please, please <laughs> don't let them carry on doing what they're doing. <laughs> and I think um, a bit more sort of Western uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah. I, um, Mike, I never know if it's Michael or Michelle Ansel. Yeah. He of uh, Rayman and Beyond Good and Evil fame. He's making um, the second one, isn't he? Yes, he is. Please. And Wales as well was announced yesterday. Or, yes. Uh, um, yeah. He's just, I, I just really like his attitude. And oh, and he did the Kong game. Do you remember that, the King Kong movie game when uh, Peter it Jackson is. did the movie reboot? And that is fantastic. That is a very, very good game. Massively it is um, massively underrated. No UI. You know, it was yeah, just... yeah. And that's a lot. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. It's hard enough making UI. It's even harder making a game without it. Without one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, and Martin Hollis of GoldenEye and many, many other wonderful things. Uh, but that's probably the one that everyone will know him for, GoldenEye on the N64. Yeah, that um, was, that I was have met him and had lunch with him. I was very lucky, and uh, he's just he's just the most amazing person. Nice fellow, understatement of the year. Oh, but, God. Um, yeah, but uh, I think GoldenEye is the game that convinced me that consoles could do FPSs after all. Um, I was very much of that yes. of like no it can't be done no that was stupid it can't no no it needs a mouse it needs a position of uh, oh no, actually no <laughs> <laughs> oh I take it back um, yeah no, that, that was a real watershed moment that and Perfect Dark I think really yeah. and even despite the controller I say despite I don't know that the N64 controller love hate relationship with it how am I supposed to hold this thing well it depends on the game you're playing shut up um, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's it, it, uh, I, I still love uh, Mario sixty four. I think it's a glorious, glorious piece of coding, and uh, oh, yeah. the game is like that, coded for that controller. If you ever want to know how to use that thing, it's uh, it's that game, that game. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. Closely followed by Golden Eye, and then then Zelda, of course. But that's a given, isn't it? Really. Okay, <laughs> so um, my last uh, question. For you, uh, it's my favourite question. Uh, of, of you know, generally because it gives me a hint about what you're working on next. Although it doesn't, right. because it's it nothing to do with what you're working on. 
Um, what are you playing right now? What am I playing right now? Um, I'm playing quite a lot of Destiny, I must say. Yeah, uh, I haven't got into that. I have it on the PS4. I played it yeah. a little while, then got distracted by something shiny, <laughs> uh, and then completely drifted off, yeah. and then got punished for doing that, apparently, because the, the, the expansion turns out, if you hadn't played the game before, then you, you got all these bonuses. If you had played it a lot before, to the point you maxed out your character, you got all these bonuses. But if you only played it a little bit, then dropped off, you kind of screwed. <laughs> and it was a bit strange. Don't tell me, how are you finding the new expansion, the uh, the, the Taken King? How are you finding it? Uh, I'm, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, I was a bit. I was one of the apologists for the, the first year of the game. Like I, I just, I just really liked it, and I played it with friends a lot. So that probably helped, sort of. Yeah, you know, I mean, smooth over some of the bumps. Uh, the repetitions, not not repetition. If you're chatting about your week and having a laugh, you know. Yeah, uh, I think uh, my highlight for me is one of my fellow players. We we just we just taken over one section. We taken over a boss or something, and this is yeah. many moons ago. And uh, he suddenly started spinning on the spot, and we were oh, is it crashing? <laughs> and like, Are you all right? Silence. Hello. And then it's a snort. I went, did you fall asleep? No, <laughs> no, he had. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I've heard people being saying they were bored by Destiny, but that's a new level. That's that's a new level. Um, he's he's a farmer, so he gets up very early in the morning. <laughs> uh, right, yeah, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> that's what happens sometimes. That's it's exhausting job. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, and he just suddenly blacks out. Like, all right, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> yeah. we lost him. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually got a video of it. I have to link it to you. After it's just the funniest, the funniest thing of the sort. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, that's the glorious thing about now is that we can actually video this stuff. Yeah, you just hit that share button. You're like, yeah. <laughs> look what he did. Immortalized. <laughs> Immortalized. Whereas if you told people ten years or five years ago that that was possible, like, no, no, that was stupid. They'll never, they'll never do that. That's just, <laughs> that's just a recipe for disaster. Au contraire. Oh, no, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Destiny, you're shooting things for for things. So it's the quest things for things and, yep, and yep. better stuff. Not taking, King, taking Kings really, really added just just a crazy amount of content. So that's all good. Um, Rocket League, been enjoying that quite a lot. Yes, I can't believe how that. I mean, if you describe that game to me, and like, yeah, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like what driving around. We, you and I, have played games like that over the years. Like, you know. And it just haven't yep. worked out. Yep. I never got into Twisted Metal. Like, don't get it. It's, it's, no. It's not it's rubbish. But this seems to be just, like, the, the perfect combination. It's just... It's fantastic. I've been trying to get them on the show. It's, it's hard. It's hard. They're busy people now. Making they are. DeLoreans for it and all sorts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's amazing they put that on PlayStation Plus. It's, yes. But they did. Yep. They did. So, okay. Any, anything else? Uh, Splatoon on the Wii U. Um which is just wonderful. I mean, I'm biased it is Nintendo, but it is just absolutely brilliant. I still haven't got uh, it yet. I know, I know. Oh, well, I haven't even got Mario Maker yet. That's next so, Well, I've got, see, I've got one on you on that, so there you go. So Yeah, so we'll, we'll swap maybe at some point. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, those, that's, that's the next one I want that, that I absolutely have to get and play. I just, I just, you know, having said what I've said for the past sort of 20 minutes, you know, it's, it's obvious, really. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Especially as an ex-mod creator, I mean, it's like. Well, exactly. I d- I've got to make at least a couple of you know proper 
proper levels. Yeah. levels, you know, and uh, okay. just yeah, maybe so, that's the Christmas one. I'd we'll say. Before we feed into the second half of the show, I was just going to tell you a story of a fantastic internet discussion I had, which relates to a thing you said earlier about how old the industry is. Someone put up on yes. the internet and asked the question, so what's the oldest video game? Now, for me, I've always thought it was, you know, Tennis for Two, which is this weird game from 1957, uh, which used a, 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 like, you know, a mainframe. It was barely electronic, but it was. And yes. it's a little tennis game in this, you know, in this little green screen thing. And um, then someone counter us. He goes, actually, I think you'll find. And all these people tried to top each other over and over again about trying to find the oldest video game. <laughs> it went back to like 1946 or something like that. It got really ridiculous. Wow. And then I went, okay, look, let's just knock this on the head. And I actually found out when the first Abacus was made. <laughs> This is about 2500 BC, and I actually wrote, yes, and the Sumerians used abacuses in gladiatorial combat, so that's technically the first video game. There you go. Just shut up! But turns <laughs> out it's a lot older than we think. I thought it was 58, 57, I was wrong. It's actually much older than that. Mm. Um, so it's food for thought, really, but, but uh, it kind of accelerated soon after we stopped shooting each other. Um, yeah, it's funny how that. And then we did it again a little bit in Korea, but we don't really talk about that, do we? Because it is literally the forgotten war. So on to that, <laughs> that really strange note. <laughs> We're going to move on to the second half of the show where we talk about more about shooting things with uh, Tango Fiesta. Tango Fiesta. <laughs> well, it's um, it's a cooperative top-down shooter uh, for four players, online and off. Um, it tells the story of John Strong, who's a who's the real-life action hero that all the uh, the plots to all those '80s action movies we know and love. Uh, it's it, it, they're all based on his his real-life story. So uh, we've we've uh, we've made the game that is the true story behind. Commando, Predator, Ghostbusters, you know, uh, Robocop, um, what else? Well, everything, basically. Um, and, uh, How obscure yeah, you, do you go? Do you go for just the, the mainstream ones, or you, 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 have you got the more, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme stuff? And it's a bit more mainstream, I would say. It is this, a bit more mainstream. Yeah, a little bit. The, the main theme, so each each movie, if you like, is uh, we've got five worlds, and each world's a different sort of movie theme. Um, and we've got six, no, seven, six, 
six characters should really yes. know, shouldn't I? And um, each one, there's like a bonus character, but 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 basically each world has one based on on their sort of their heroes from that that movie. Um, but I think a lot of the references go deeper than that. Um, the, the the story that we've written is a very very silly and over the top one. There's a, there's a few more sort of references in there. The, the the weapon names that we've come up with, uh, character names, all this sort of thing. Um, uh, we, we we did our research for sure. Um. Okay, and um, because you said it's a top-down shooter, isn't it? So all directions in a contained map. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So you sort of fight your way through. Uh, the, the levels are procedurally generated, and it's the classic sort of. There's a bunch of uh, objectives, things to blow up. Um, uh, 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 objectives to hack, etc. Uh, and then there's always a boss to fight at the end of uh, end of the sort of the third world. You get to go to a boss fight. So very, like you say, very retro, very very uh, video gamey, um, but sort yes. of knowingly so. So I'm going to talk about the first proper question. Brace yourself. It mm. gets harder as you go on. So, it does. Yeah. Um, so the first one is quite benign, but you know I'm quite old. Um, so I played video games in, in the 80s when I was a teenager. So mm. when I had a friend who had a C64, I didn't own a Commodore 64. I initially had a Spectrum, then I, I defected to an Amstrad. I know, just write to me later. But I did, around, yeah. yeah, I know. Um, mm. So, but I, did, I had a friend who had a uh, um, Commodore 64, and they were fantastic for games that are similar to Tango Fiesta. Um, Yes. Uh, yeah. Ram- Commando, fantastic. Okari Warriors, yep. again, fantastic. Yep. But Rambo, especially Rambo, um, brutally hard game. Yes. But we loved it. And I just want to know, um, listeners who are not familiar with these games, do look them up. Play with emulators. I don't care. Knock yourself out. Fantastic stuff. It is. They are particularly well designed in our eyes because they're thirty years old. But now <laughs> it's 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 you know they are quite incredible. I just want to know. I mean, how much of those games fed into creation of Tango Fiesta, and what did you build from those kernels, or those acorns, if you will? So, I think, essentially, they were like the, the original sort of kernel, like you say. They were the, the sort of seed of the ideas. Um, we didn't, as you say, like these days they don't quite hold up in terms of like things you kind of expect. Uh, mostly just down to sort of richness of features or, or lack of richness of features, I suppose you'd say. But certainly the um, the perspectives, the kinds of enemies and, and environments, um, the the basic sort of challenges that you're that you, you know they're quite simple essentially, but very 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 tough, like you said. Um, and I think that the toughness is probably. I think the, the 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 game, the style of the game, sort of harks back to those in that it looks like a modern version of them. Say, uh, if 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 the same team were to make the same game back then, I think it'd probably look a little bit like Tango. Um, I think that's down to perspective and just like the proportion of characters, things like that. Um, there's bullet then, hell. Yeah, there's, there's we haven't spoken about bullet. bullets everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't. Be an action game without bullets everywhere. No, but they're they're, they're very slow moving. Uh, uh, yes. At least the enemy ones are. Some of them run, so yeah, you can outrun. So dodging those is quite fun. And similarly, these these old eight um, bit games that we're referring to have similar thing where a bullet will go 
flying ever so slowly across the screen. Yes. And you're yeah. like, oh, I need to walk around that and stuff. Um, but the big difference here is that you get multiplayer, four-player, uh, and mm. there's a bit of... Uh, well, it's my next question now. <laughs> because yeah. I just want to... Because those games were very po-faced. They were very yes. serious. They were, yeah. you know, even Akai Warriors, which is a fantastic game, by the way. It's just... It's, has tanks in it you can drive, you know, you've got grenades, everything's great. And you you got like you can actually blow yourself up in that game. It's really crazy. Um but they're very po faced, very serious. Tango Fiesta is very much infused with humour. You know, self referential, ridiculous, yes. like this is absurd. This whole thing is absurd. Um yes. what I want to know is how much of that has impacted on the gameplay itself? Sounds a bit strange, but I just wanted to think about it. You know, can you tell me? Could you? Yeah, yeah. I I think that's a very um, astute sort of observation. I think a lot of people probably take it, you know, take them both at face value, the the story and the gameplay. But um, like even so, so we were very, very very aware of how daft the eighties were as a as a decade. The the movies that we're referencing are just completely ridiculous, Um, and and just so much fun you know and it would be mad for us not to try and uh, kind of almost one-up them you know we've got to one of the things about nostalgia is it's it's sort of rose-tinted always you know and we, we wanted to like deliver on that um in in a way and so that meant that we had to kind of double down on everything so like you say the gameplay is over the top and there's if you want there to be there are like almost constantly explosions happening yes. and bad guys sporting and dying and, and all that sort of thing but you know you can take a little bit more sort of um, seriously if you're getting stuck and you can you know you can pick your way through the bullets but the proportion of the characters even with their massive shoulders and tiny legs is is you know it's it's they obviously skip leg day at the gym you know and they, <laughs> they sort of totter around and, and it's just you know even that is a bit of a, a poke of fun at, at, at the sort of character archetypes that we'd expect um, and the story sort of came out of needing partially needing an excuse to run through all these brilliant sort of movie references that we all love but also is a bit of a love letter in itself you know it, it sort of um it acknowledges the 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 absurdity of it all but tries as much as they did in 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 those those movies i think to kind of wrap it up into something that sort of makes sense um and maybe it doesn't make sense but it, at least it's consistent you know um and uh, I don't know how far you've got through it, actually. How far have you got through it? Oh, about halfway, really. About halfway. So at the, have you beaten the, the Ghoul Squad world yet? It is quite tough. Not yet, no. Not yet. Okay, so I won't spoil it, but there is a bit of a... <laughs> a there's a payoff, if right. you like, there emotionally, shall we say. Okay. Um, uh, at the end, during the boss fight of that, and then uh, the last world sort of wraps up the, the sort of, you know, American justice romp. But yeah, I, it's a lot of the time. So a lot of people, we're not even sure whether the eight-way directional thing is the sensible thing. So with the with the aiming for the, the player characters, we might actually give players the option to to have full three hundred and sixty control. But but that was something that we were like, look, I just played it like Robotron. You know, That's how I play it. But no. yeah, exactly. Like it, what it what it means is. Um, and this is probably me overthinking it as a designer, but it means that you're limited in how much you can aim, therefore you must shoot, you, you must uh, move more to compensate. And 
that's that's what they did like in eighty action movies. They didn't aim very much. They just held the trigger down and ran around. And <laughs> that's, that's true. And that's that's what we wanted to do. You know, that's what you're supposed to do in this game is hold the trigger down as much as possible. Um, we've even the, the, there's a combo system in it that that most people just think is. Is, uh, is just, you know, kind of points for kills and you get more points for more kills. And it's down to us to probably sort of um, look at how we're communicating it. But essentially, as long as you're dealing damage to anyone, doesn't matter if you've killed them or not, your your combo wounds will not reduce. So right. you, you increases for kills, but it stays where it is as long as you're causing mayhem. And uh, and again, that's to encourage players to just run around with the, the trigger held down and not, and not blow things up. overthink yeah. it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I think what has to pop out and what I'm trying to draw out of you is that because you've had you've, you've gone full on to embrace the chaos. Yeah, you want to the players to embrace it too because it's supposed to be chaotic. It's supposed to be nuts. Yeah. It's supposed to be a, you know a, a spectrum of colours or wash across the screen to the point where you can't even see where you are at times. That's okay. <laughs> Because yes. if you're doing that, you're playing it right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we want to. We want to. We're actually working on um, on our first sort of major update for it at the moment. We're looking at all of that sort of thing. So reward, like at the minute in multiplayer, if you if one of you goes down, the other can revive you. But we want to reward the player for reviving the other player more than just oh, and now now it's you know not as difficult as just you uh, yeah. against the hordes. Um, you know, and we, we're sort of looking at foregrounding all kinds of elements like that to just try and like I think basically we we got to a point where as as happens with most games you know that, that people make you, you're too close to it um, so well that's with any creative endeavour regardless yes. of what it may be yeah yeah no, like, you're absolutely right and, writing and, a book or well, especially book writing but you know the, you can't edit your text you can't no you've got to run on sentence there have I oh god yeah you can't see it. You can't see it. I mean, no. for me, I just loathe run-on sentences. So when I see them, I go, take it out. Put a yep. fucking, I don't know, do something. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read that nonsense. No, exactly. So. And, I mean, and that's the thing, you know, we've got a lot of mechanics in the game that we're not really shouting about mechanic, like in, in terms of the presentation, in terms of the, what, what the player's given and told, you know, um, and, and we sort of need to double down on that, like looking looking at the way it's been received. And, you know, some people just aren't going to enjoy it and that's fine. But we feel that it's so obviously, like the game sells itself um, really well in screenshots, as in you're not going to buy the game and think, oh, um, I wasn't expecting to run around shooting things all the time. Yeah, I, I thought it was a Dark Souls game. No, <laughs> exactly, not. exactly. So we, we, yeah, we're looking at ways of sort of uh, really, really improving that because I think it, it does a good job. And I think anyone who's like plays it and goes, ah, you know, eighties action movies. I know all the references. This is great. That they're 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 happy as Larry. But we need to make sure that people who who maybe just think, oh, a bit of a co-op romp. We need to sort of yeah. Hint it, hint it's it. not that. There's other games for that. This is something else. Yeah. Um, speaking of co-op, mm. uh, the most fun I've had playing is with two or three other people. Yeah. Um, how does the game scale when you have those? What do you do? I don't we... want to go into too much detail, but you know what I mean. What's, what do you have to do to make it fun still? Because if you leave it as a one-player difficulty, then it's a bit pointless, isn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we very we're very heavy-handed. Again, it's all right. about action. So we basically just um, increase by a percentage uh, the amount of enemies that are spawning um, based on how many players there are. So e- e- each player that you add, we have a separate percentage more bad guys value. Um, so it's not quite double every time or whatever. Um, and 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 when you get to four players, you, you, it does just get to the point where there are so many bad guys running around. You just you wouldn't want any more added. And and similarly, we we have a little value that tells the the depending on how many players there are, how many bad guys will target any one player. So whilst you can have the screen full of bad guys, only a few of them might actually be sort of actively trying to engage the player. And that's um, just to kind of. Yeah, not like to overwhelm the senses, but not overwhelm the player, if you like. Yes. Yeah. That's that's uh, all the players. All the players, right? I can't see anything because I love telling this story about when I was playing Diablo three, which we actually did put on streaming for a while because myself and uh, a friend of mine in in, in the US we play this game and we do like commentaries on it, what we're doing and stuff. But it, I was playing a mage. And yep. the, the problem with the mage, we got to like level like seventy odd or something, and he's got, and it was got to the point where we're going to these dungeons, and it was just like, okay, quest fire, <laughs> just like, yeah. just unleash everything, and it'd just be the screen would be a complete awash yep. of yep. just just kaleidoscope of colours, could not see anything, and I'd be saying, is everything dead? And like, no, no, no keep going, <laughs> uh, okay, you can stop, you can stop shooting now. Because I couldn't see anything. Because he could, his screen was further away to towards the target, and I was at the back. And I was like, yeah. Is yeah. everything dead yet? Yeah. Yes. Lobbing fireballs in from afar and hoping. Uh, yeah. and the amount of times I would run away because you know, no touchy. That was the thing kept on saying. Because I was, I was a you know cloth wearing wizard. No oh, touchy. Yeah, no, you don't. Yeah. You don't want to get involved in any fisticuffs. That <laughs> no, would be the worst. No fisticuffs. No touchy. So that's what I like <laughs> about this game too. Is that it gets. Chaos. Like, can you see anything? Uh, yeah, just about. Oh, there's still some there. There's still some there, and uh, <laughs> especially like boss fights in, in it as well, because it just gets gets this chaos. It it takes takes yeah. destiny and go. Yeah, destiny. That's great. But what about this? What if you did it like this? <laughs> and yeah, you won't be able to see anything. <laughs> this is fantastic. So, last question. Right on. Here we go. Um, I have to ask. There's a roguelike element to Tango Fiesta and that you can buy weapons based on the gold you require when you complete missions and play the game generally was yep. this a late addition as it's not something that games of this ilk in the 1980s had of course it didn't so was it something that was always no. there or did you put it in thinking oh this would be a good idea it was something that was there from from the first sort of plan, um, in right. fact, the game itself was supposed to be uh, a bit more, perhaps a bit more rogue and a bit less arcade. Um, but as we sort of started implementing systems and seeing how people were reacting, it seemed that we, you know, the, the sort of the arcade side was the big thing. So the procedural generation of levels was going to be a bit more sort of strict. Um, you were going to be a lot less. Uh, you, you'd die, and then that would be it. You know, you'd have to go back to the beginning. Um, but we felt basically just. The, the sort of, like you say, the sense of fun started get, getting eroded a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we sort of dialed back on some of the more sort of serious bits and bobs uh, yeah. associated with that. 
Um, but, I mean, look, uh, look, look at Bind in the Visor. Uh, okay, that that um, game. But yeah, the, the gun shop itself. I mean, that that game has yeah. a dark sort of aspect to it, uh, but it's still fun. And but I just like the idea of the gun shop. Can you tell us a bit about that and how that evolved? So it came about with we needed you know we need something for players to sort of to to work towards over over multiple play sessions. Um, we thought that um, you know uh, the 80s was all about money. Um, we had fond memories of whacking bad guys for cash in things like Golden Axe. Um, you know, the little dudes would come on little imps with uh, sacks full and you'd, you'd whack them for cash. And we thought, well, we'll just do that with all the bad guys. Um, and, um, and yeah, we kind of, so with, with most games design, it's you either go for balance or bounty, if you like. So, um, a very famous, uh, sort of, uh, balancing thing with, uh, or was it Marvel versus Capcom series? You know, it's not Street Fighter, it's not the same you don't you don't um, balance things by trying to uh, you know fine tune and maybe reduce the power of an attack no. uh, they famously just went well if one power character is overpowered up the power of everyone else so uh, to match them so we decided that with the guns we would just make them all really good really fun to use and hopefully just have a different like handling characteristic or a bit of character to them yeah I like the shotgun don't know well, why I don't yeah. do like just going into a crowd of them and just blasting them and then blasting again <laughs> and then finally just dropping a grenade and watching them all fall down. It's great. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's good because, you know, everyone, it does seem to have worked. Everyone does seem to have, like, a favourite. And, yeah. you know, whatever they do, it just means we thought we've sort of, look, you know, there's not really room for fine-tuned, you know, uh, stat comparisons in this. Um, it's all about, well, actually, I just want a machine gun. Okay, which one do I want? Um, the one that sprays a ton really wildly or the one that I kind of do double taps with or whatever, you know. And and, and so we just kind of tried to make a like a nice uh, a buffet of guns that, that people could um, dip in and out of, I suppose. And there's uh, also without, grenades without, as well, different grenades and other weapons. Yeah, a few thrown weapon types in there. Um, and most of them were based on um, actual weapons from... 80s action movies with with obviously non copyright infringing names. Yeah, that was a lot of fun coming up with and stuff. Uh, and then of course it made total sense to have Arnie, um, or rather a, 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 a non-specific Austrian guns <laughs> arms dealer to be the guy who runs the shop. Um, so as you as you go around selecting them, he sort of reads their names out, and that was because, purely yes because Uzi nine millimeter, right? You've got to have Uzi nine millimeter. You've got to you got to think in there. This <laughs> <laughs> is a genuine way to do it, isn't it? Because it's, it's you know, it's just, when people start pe- reading gun specs, you have that voice in your head. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just... yeah, well, exactly, exactly. We've had one complaint about it, and frankly, we're going to ignore it. So. Yes, because, <laughs> yes, maybe this isn't for you. And it's, <laughs> that's another thing, you know. Uh, people say, oh, you know, you got to make, you can't offend anyone, or you can't, um, you got to pe- pe- please everyone. No! No, it's well, impossible. It's not worth trying. It's not worth trying, you know. Some people aren't going to like your stuff. It's not against you. And if you, you take offence at that, maybe you stop making stuff. You know. Exactly. There are people out there who do make things who can't take criticism. Like, yes. How do you continue to function? If you, you're making things, you're going to people for public consumption, people are going to criticise it. 
Sorry. No, absolutely. You know. It's, it's, it's bonkers. I, I've even, I've had sort of, not the opposite, but like, as a, as a sort of from the other side, I've had some, uh, some blogs kind of apologising, because, you know, we've, we've had quite a mix of reviews for Tango so far, and then one of the, one of the sort of less positive ones, um, I got in touch and, you know, I get in touch with all of them and say, oh, you know, just thank you for covering it and thank you for, you know, bringing up things that we can improve. You know, that's yes. always useful. Um, and um, and they actually sort of got quite sheepish. They're a bit apologetic about it. And I just <laughs> was like, you know what? Like, if if a developer gets like annoyed about one person's opinion, like cause that's all it is in isolation. It's a person. Yes. Um, you know, then Some they really people have. To, yeah, I mean, question why they're doing it. You know? Yeah, it's it, it is it is troubling. Um, I mean, I, I I get fed up when people start um, like factual inaccuracies about a game. That that always bugs me because it just means you haven't been paying attention. Um, you know, and if if you're reviewing something or covering something, it's you know it's to to represent it at least in in uh, facts and opinion. But um, but yeah, if it's someone's like just saying I just don't like this feature, then that's fine. But if if someone says something about like oh it'd be better if this feature was in it and it is, you just start to wonder. Um, that that does get me annoyed. But uh, but there you go. It doesn't happen very often. So. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, but what does happen very often is people do download Tango Fiesta from Steam, and it's available on Windows PC, Mac, and Linux. Is that right, or is it just Windows PC? It's PC and Mac um, at the moment, and Linux hopefully soon. Uh, oh. we, we're sort of aware we should, uh, but we're just not sure of the best time. But uh, but yeah, yeah, PC and Mac, it's, it's about a tenner, I think, and we sell a four-pack as well, which is quite cheap. Yes, good idea, because uh, that multiplayer is to die for. Um, <laughs> sometimes quite literally, or figuratively. Figuratively. Yeah. But uh, it's a great time to release it because, you know, you've got the Steam box coming out. Have you seen this thing, the, the, the link box? where you actually... Yeah, very interested. I wouldn't, wouldn't mind getting my hands on it. Yeah, and uh, also the new controller out that's coming out at the same time. Yeah. So exciting yeah. times. I do have a Steam box, not a, one of these little box things, but we actually built a PC that just boots into Steam. And, oh, yes. Uh, on, on to, into a telly, and it's great. Okay. Uh, highly recommend it if you can find bits of PC lying around your home and go... This will work for some mm. games, and it does. It does. Mm. Uh, I must we'll have confess, to investigate. Yeah, I must confess, I did cheat. I didn't make. I didn't put SteamOS on it. Uh, I did put Windows on it. I know, I know, but at least it allows me to see more games than I would normally. That well, was my excuse, and it still boots into Steam proper. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Andrew, it's been fantastic having you on. It's Thank been you so much. Long, long time coming. When Tango Fiesta came, like I kept on coming up. We need to come on the show, but. When it's out, oh, it's gonna be a while yet. Yeah? I know. <laughs> when it's out, we'll co- we get you on the show. And this oh, happened. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, and uh, whatever you know, project you're working on next, and uh, maybe it'll come out of another jam. Who knows? Uh, maybe actually, actually from a jam, you know, you could make a game about raspberry jam. I don't know. I whatever inspirations. <laughs> um, I don't know where I'm going with that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, jam, 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 jam. 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 Yeah, they should do. There probably is a jam jam out there, but uh, we'd be great for you to come back on and talk about that too. So best of luck. It'd be a pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay, so best of luck with your future endeavours, whatever they may be. Uh, Thanks for making Tango Fiesta because we need more games with funniness on them uh, and uh, and more fun. Uh, It's it's okay to be po-faced and do the Halo Five thing. That's great. 
but uh, it's also good to laugh at themselves and the culture that we love so much. It's uh, it's why I do what I do, you know. <laughs> you got to be, you got to do it with a smile, otherwise, what's the point? What is the point? What is the point? And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review, and you can also don't forget listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com, and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory, and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer who listen to this show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Bye!